So, so Ryan, about three or four weeks ago, we, we have lunch. And so we we're hanging out and uh, we, we kind of got there at the same time. He drives truck, I drive truck. And he's like, come over here for a minute. I was like, okay. And we, we sat down in his truck and he played that song for me. He's like, I kind of wrote this song and tell me what you think. And he played it. And when he got done, I was like, he said, is it, is it bad? I went, no, this is like stink face good. Like that, oh my gosh, you wrote. He's like, I was thinking maybe we could do it at church. I was like, yes, absolutely. So I, I just love it. For so many reasons, I, could, I, might, I might make a message out of that song just because it's, I mean, that thing's rich. Would you agree? Would you agree? All right, so um, to all of us in this room and watching online, hello to our friends online, we all learn through music. Um, music teaches us things. We learn things through songs. I'll, I'll prove it to you. I'm gonna start singing some songs. And as I sing these songs, if you know them, I just want you to sing them with me. Okay, here we go. It's real simple. A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, st okay stop. Because we're gonna get to the L, M, N, O, P part. And then if you're charismatic, you, that's where you lose it. Right there. You, and so nobody needs to take a lap yet. Um, I, if you're church crowd, you get this one. Jesus loves me, this I know for the... Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. Okay? It's great. And we could do this. We, we learned that Zacchaeus was like a wee little man. Um, not sure you could sing that one today. I don't even know if that's politically correct. We learned red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. And that probably get, got canceled, but like not here because <laughs> screw cancel culture, right? Um, this... But, but the one I'm going to, now, now you got to be like a church veteran to know this one. Like you, you, you went to Bible school to know this one. You got to be a church veteran. Here we go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the flood went up. Okay. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. I got it. It's great. One more. Father Abraham. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I just saved somebody a lot of trouble. But we learn things, we learn things through music. Now, that last one I sang, when the, the flood and all that stuff, that actually, that song was written out of a sermon that Jesus preached. Um, there's only one sermon on record. Now, Jesus did a lot of teaching, but one sermon that Jesus taught is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount because that's, he um, gave a sermon and he was on a mountain. So, and then after he gave the sermon, he, he walked off the mountain and healed a leper, um, literally. And then he healed Peter's mother-in-law, which is why most scholars think Peter denied him three times, but that's another message. So he, he <laughs> preaches this whole sermon. So some of y'all, it took y'all a minute, it's fine, it's fine. He preaches this whole sermon and it, it, you could read through it in probably 20 to 30 minutes, depending on your reading speed. And as he's finishing up the sermon, he drops this. This is a mic drop moment for Jesus. In fact, it's one of the things, it's one of the strongest things I think he's ever said. And I come back to it over and over and over again. Try to, in every part of my life, especially in the area of relationships. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, and anyone who listens 
and follows, not just listens, because do you know you can listen to somebody but not hear them? Every married man in the room needs to agree with that because your wife's been talking to you and she's talking, but all you hear is smart no, smart no, no, no. That's all you hear. And she said, are you listening to me? And you go, yes. And you can repeat the last line, but there's, there's a reason for that. It's this whole scientific thing. Don't have time. So uh, listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on Solid rock. Now, everybody in that culture would have known what he meant. They would have nodded their heads. They know if you build a house, you, you dig past the sand, you find a firm foundation, and that's where you build the house. Now, watch what he says. Watch what Jesus says. And watch, pay, pay, pay special attention to how descriptive he gets about the storm in this next verse, because he describes two types of storms. Watch this. He says this. Though the rain comes in torrents. Now, I don't know specifically what that means. I'm, I'm guessing it means a lot of rain. Did y'all see what happened in Fort Lauderdale this week where they got like 24 inches of rain in like 30 minutes or something like that? It was insane. The rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And that's a metaphor to, for Jesus for his teaching. Now, let me kind of pause and kind of get this out there for the whole series just so everybody understands where I'm coming from. Um, I, believe, I'm, I'm a, I believe in God's word. I believe in the authority and the power of God's word. I also, when I'm talking about relationships, I'm talking about marriage, I'm talking about marriage between a biological man and I do, be, I, I do believe God makes biological men and I believe he makes biological women. And that, I think that's, that's it. And when I talk about marriage, I'm talking about marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. Now, let me pause and say this. If you don't agree with that, if you don't agree with it, that's awesome. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you keep coming back. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at the world. I'm happy. I'm happily married. I got a happy wife. We got two happy dogs. Um, like, I'm, I'm great. But I think one of the problems in the world is there are too many people that, that we don't talk to each other anymore. Like, if we don't agree on that, we should have a conversation instead of going on social media and blowing each other up. Nothing gets solved that way. So I'm just, I'm just letting everybody know where I stand, just straight unapologetically, I'm gonna stand on God's word when I teach this stuff, okay? So, so and, no, I'll, I'll save that. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And then he says this, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, is foolish. Now, when nobody likes to be called foolish, but in, in Jesus's time period, this word right here was one of the most direct, it, I mean, people's heads snapped back because they were like, whoa, that's, that, th this was strong language during the days of Jesus. Like a person who builds a house on sand. Now, when he said that, everybody's laughing because everybody's like, Nobody builds a house on sand. Now, you remember how descriptive he got about the last storm? When the storm comes, and what did Jesus say? The storm could be super, super, super bad, but the house will not collapse. Now, let me just clear this up before we move on. Jesus did not say that a storm would not come. I, you'll meet couples and you're like, oh, how, 
So how do you, oh, we, we just never argue. Like if a couple's engaged and then they never argue, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't officiate your wedding until you have an argument because we got to see how you fight. Because that's, that's when you know if it's real. When you get past that fake stage, you know how it is when you first date, you just fake. Some of y'all, it's been, it's been a minute, but, but, but you were fake. You were fake. Oh, I love, I love this. I love hiking. I would rather be ran over by a semi than go hiking. But like, you just say whatever, right? Jesus never said that a storm will not come. And, and he did not say that if you build your house on the rock, that your roof won't leak. So, sometimes, sometimes you don't know there's a problem with your house until the storm comes. And when the storm comes, you realize, oh, we got a leak in our roof. And sometimes when we go through storms in our relationship, that's God's mercy showing us we've got a leak in our relationship. And instead of just sitting there and looking at the leak, we should actually get the leak fixed rather than like blowing the house up or burning the house down. So he goes on he, and he talks about that house. But he said, this house right here, the one that's built on the sand, you, you're, you're foolish if you do that. And watch what he says about the storm. When the rains and floods come, and the, he didn't use a lot of descriptive language. In other words, he just said, any type of rain, any type of flood, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. He didn't say it might collapse. He said it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, there are people in this room that know all about collapsed or crashed relationships. Maybe you've been in a relationship and you were engaged and the engagement got called off and that, was, that still hurts, that still burns. Maybe there's been some people in the room, you've actually gone through a divorce. And I wanna pause and say real quick, um, you, many of you know my story. You know I've went through a divorce and anybody that's been through a divorce, I don't care what the circumstances or the situations, you would all agree with me on this premise. Going through a divorce absolutely sucks. It does. It, there was no joy in the process. Um, but, if you, and it took me a minute to realize this, if you've gone through a divorce, you are not damaged goods. You, God, when he gives second chances, there, there's no exception clause there. He gives second chances in every area of our lives. And I'm telling you, as somebody that's gone through it, I'm on the other side of it now. God has redeemed me, he's restored me, and he's blessed me with immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. Shannon is an unbelievably excellent wife, and I'm super thankful that she's in my life. Second chance does not mean second class. She's first class all the way. So, and, 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 let me just say this, and then we'll just keep moving on. On May 7th, May the 7th, it's, uh, in several weeks, I'm preaching an entire message on the subject of divorce. You've never heard a preacher preach it like I'm gonna preach it. And I'm gonna tell you why on the 7th. I promise you, you don't want to miss it, because this is what some people say, cause I, and I'm gonna go ahead and spare you the lobby conversation. Don't stalk me tonight. Oh, it happens. Bible says God hates divorce. Well, it does. But it doesn't say he hates the people that went through a divorce. And by the way, if that's the verse you throw around in Proverbs, it also says there's six things that God hates, and the first thing listed is pride. So be very careful about being prideful about the fact, because Satan didn't get kicked out of heaven because he had a divorce. He got kicked out of heaven because of pride. Just... <laughs> Throwing that out there for somebody. Okay, so what we're gonna do tonight, <laughs> what we're gonna do tonight 
is, is we're gonna, we're gonna compare what it looks like to build a marriage on the rock versus what it, what it looks like to build a marriage on the sand. And the way I developed this is I took a legal pad and a pen and I put a line in the middle of a piece of paper and I, I wrote down rock and sand and I listed 12, but, but relax, I'm not gonna do 12, I'm gonna do, um, I'm gonna do 15. But no, I'm just kidding, we're just gonna do five, we're gonna do five, we're gonna do five. And, but these are things that, that I feel like God was showing me and uh, I'm gonna give you some illustrations, some examples, but hopefully we're gonna laugh a little bit, cry a little bit, and somebody's gonna get saved and we're gonna go home. All right, here we go. First thing, when you build a marriage on, or when you build a relationship on the sand, you're super excited about the wedding. When you build a relationship on the rock, you're actually excited about the marriage. Now, this is mostly for the single. Anybody single? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand if you're single. If you're, just raise it up high. Raise it up high. Somebody looking for your Boaz, raise it up. Raise it up. Two hands. I'm looking for my Boaz. I, bring, I wish he'd bring his ass over here right now. I said as. I said as. I said, okay. So it gets loose at five o'clock, y'all. Years ago, this was years ago, um, I, was, I was doing some premarital counseling. Now, I don't, I don't do premarital counseling anymore. Um, number one, because I'm horrible at it. And number two, because I don't like it. Um, but I, I thought I had to do it. I, it was that thing. And I know people go and they like, oh, we took the test and we're an Enneagram and I'm a three and he's, a, he's an eight and we're gonna, and a three and an eight. Wait, like, listen, I don't care what number you are. If you wake up every single day and say, I wanna do my best to love Jesus. And then this person right here is gonna be the most important human relationship in my life today. Screw the Enneagram. That's what works, okay? So, but... I know all that, so I'm giving them all this information, and I'm like, okay, da 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 da, da. And, and have you ever been in a conversation and they're making passive-aggressive comments about each other through you? Because she was like, well, somebody in this room, and I'm sitting there going, well, this is not me. <laughs> and he's like, well, somebody else in this room, and I'm going, okay, okay, here we go. So I finally said, I said, I said, let me just, let me just stop y'all. We're 10 minutes in. I said, let me just stop y'all for a minute. And I asked her, I said, um, I said, what do you do? that makes him feel loved? Like, what, what, what makes him feel loved? And she was like, I don't know. I said, I said, what do you do to make her feel loved? And he was like, I don't have a clue. And I said, well, I said, let me throw out a suggestion. I said, there's a book by an author named Gary Chapman, and it's called The Five Love Languages. And I still recommend this book, by the way. It's an excellent book. Um, basically, people have five love languages. I read it and decided I was all five. Um, Y'all pray for Shannon. I'm all five. I'm all, I, I just like hug me and tell me I'm wonderful and buy me a present, okay? <laughs> five love languages. And, uh, and I said, there's a book and, it's Gary, and, and I, she's getting, have you, she's just getting ill. She's getting frustrated. Her face is turning red. And finally she went, oh, how much money is the book? I went, well, it's, I'm, I don't know. I'm not selling the book. I'm just telling you, you should go look. I mean, probably 15, 20 bucks. I don't know. And she said, Perry, I don't have the time or the money to read your stupid book. And for me, that was just, for me, when, when we're having a conversation like that, we pass a point. And once we pass that point, the gloves are off. And I said, okay, it's okay. I said, let me ask you a couple questions. How much do you pay for your dress? And she said, I don't think that's important. And I said, I don't really care what you think. You came to me for premarital counseling. I, in fact, I told her, think in one hand and crap in the other and see which one gets full first. I literally said that. The guy's cracking up. I mean, you're next. <laughs> How much you pay for your dress? 
She told me what she paid for her dress. I'm like, dear God, I'm in the wrong business. I should have made wedding dresses. You put, and then, and I said, okay. I said, how much time did you spend looking for it? How much you spend for the cake? How much you spend for the flowers? How much you, I mean, we went there. And 25,000 in, I told her, I said, let me tell you the problem. You spent months and thousands of dollars planning an event and you've invested zero time investing in the marriage. That's a problem. And then she started crying. And then he was like, here we go. And I was like, oh, okay, that's different, different. That's session two, sir, session two. I don't have a book for that one. I'm just saying that there are people out there that, that plan for, for the, the wedding, but don't plan for the marriage. Like there's some, there's some things you should probably have a conversation about before you get married. Like I've talked to couples and they're struggling in their marriage. Um, by the way, I'm not your guy if you're struggling in your marriage. I'm, like, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm like, yep, one selfish person marries another selfish person. They're gonna struggle at some point. But some of the struggles can be avoided. I was talking to one couple one time and we're struggling, what? Well, he, he just informed me that he didn't want kids. Did y'all not talk about that before you got married? No, okay, well. That's probably a conversation you should have. Shannon and I had that conversation. Shannon said, what do you think about kids? Like, are we gonna have kids? And what I meant to say was, no freaking way. But what came out of my mouth was, I would love to. And now I know that was God, because as soon as I said it, I did. I felt a peace. And I started thinking, I mean, I'm 51. When, when our kid gets to be a teenager, I'll, go, I'll have my AARP card. I'll get my free coffee at Hardy's. Um, and they can push me around in a wheelchair and we can do those Olympics where they push the dad around in the wheel. I'm, I'm in, I'm down, I'm down, good. But we had that conversation before we got married. What about kids? How, that, how, about, how about debt? I'm not marrying their debt. Eh, I mean, you are, you are. Before Shannon and I got married, we, one of the things, and once again, this is, now this is a personal, personal conviction. But one of the things that I knew about Shannon, and because we can, once we start talking, we can just talk and talk, talk. And I said, we had, we had the conversation one night, and I thought it was going to be the conversation that ended the relationship. Because I said, listen, if you're going to date me and possibly marry me one day, there's some stuff you need to know about me. And I told her everything. She knows stuff that Google don't know. Because this was, my, this was my, I never want her to be somewhere and somebody come up to her and say, did you know this about Perry? And for her to be caught by surprise. I wanted her to be able to say, well, actually, yes, I did. And I also knew this and this and this. I mean, I mean she, just, she just knows. And that conversation, if you ask her, she would tell you that's the conversation for her that, that she was like, oh. See, I thought it was gonna push her away, but it drew us closer because we realized we could talk about anything. And now nobody can surprise her with any information. Like she knows, she knows stuff. She just knows it all. I'm just saying that's one of the ways. When, when you start out with honesty and transparency right from the beginning, you can build pretty strong. Amen. You can build because you can only hide a lie for so long. All right. Number two. Oh, let me stop real quick. Have a great wedding. I'm not saying don't have a great wedding. Have a have a blast. Have a DJ, dance, have fun. But this is where the time and the investment needs to be spent. 
Number two, sand seeks to change. Rock seeks to understand. How many people in the room that are married, if you could just push a button and change one thing about your spouse, you would do it. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Those of you that don't have your hands raised, you're going to hell because you just lied in church. You would change something. Because, okay, Shannon and I, we're, 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 everybody got, we're just the same. Don't marry each other. You're, we're different. We're different on so many, like, for example, when we see a person holding a sign um, asking for money, we have two different reactions. And the only, listen, I, I'll look at them and she'll go, Oh, and I'll go, nope. I said, look at his haircut, baby. Look at his haircut. His haircut, and he's got a super nice haircut. You don't get a nice haircut like that if you're homeless. Like I spot stuff like that. And she goes, baby, we need to help him. And I'm like, I agree. Here's what we'll do. We'll park the car. We'll get out of the car. We'll take him right over to that restaurant that's got the now hiring sign in the window, and we will put him to work because he will discover if he works, they will give him money. If he gets a lot of that, he'll be able to like support himself. Like we have that conversation, and she's like, "But baby, we should give him." I'm like, "We shouldn't give him." But it's because we've had the. Com- I, I'm not trying to change her. I, actually, I kind of am. Um, and she's and she is. <laughs> But we understand each other, and here's why. Here's why, and because when I shared the illustration, some of you are like, pretty, pretty hardcore on the homeless guy, Pastor P. Yeah, you know why? Because when I was in 11th grade and my father was arrested for doing drugs, guess what I was? Homeless. I didn't have a place to live, and guess where I went? I went to work in a restaurant. You know what I discovered? If you keep showing up, they'll keep paying you, and you get that money, and if you save it, you can like find things like clothes and a place to live and food. Well, I worked in restaurants, just eating off everybody's plate as it was going out anyway. So I'm just, I'm just, but, but that's where I come from. And Shannon's got a, Shannon's dad is awesome. I love him. He's a great dude. He's worked hard. He's built a great business. He supported their family. And Shannon would tell you, she said, that's not how I came up. And so when we have conversations about that, and tr- instead of trying, for me trying to change her mind or her trying to change my mind, we seek to try to understand where each other is coming from. Like, if, if you, let me ask you this question. Would you rather have a spouse shaped in your image or God's image? Because, I, like, for example, let's say your spouse develops a bad habit, and we can, we can list anything. Let's say they start doing something completely out of character, S- something sinful, something horrible. When you lecture them, and rat them out and berate them, that's, that's sand. That house is gonna fall. But when you're like, help me understand why you're, de- what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? That's gonna be, that, that relationship's gonna stand. Here's the difficult thing. Men, you're not a man in this room that understands a woman. You know why? Because women don't understand women. They understand things about women. But man, I've never walked up, I've never walked up to a dude, never walked up to a dude, and he's like, <gasps> what's wrong? 
I don't know. I just, sometimes you just need to cry. I'll punch that guy. I would. I'll, I'll knock him out. Girls, I just described yesterday for you, right? I, 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 and we don't understand. But here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. I love it when people are trying to, our world's trying to tell us there's no differences between men and women. And just basic biology tells you that, but the Bible's tougher on men. The Bible's tougher on men. Look what, look, look what Bible, the Bible commands us to do, men. Watch this. First Peter, Jesus' right-hand guy. This is what Peter said about relationships. He said, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Let me rephrase that so we can all understand it. Husbands, understand your wife. That's a command from God. Now, there's, a, there's men in here going, that's going to take forever. I don't understand her. Because what, what turned her on two days ago isn't working now. It'll probably never work again. I'm in the mood every day. She's in the mood every November How many men have had this conversation? You wake up, you just woke up, she's mad. Did I snore? No. Did I kick you? No. What, what did I, you cheated on me in my dream. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I, like I, it was a dream, but it felt real, okay? Anybody ever, okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I just kind of felt the empathy there. I'm just saying, men, we're commanded, and, and I know what some men say. Pastor P, I had a guy tell me one time, Pastor P, to understand her would take the rest of my life. You got it. You got it. Because just when you think you understand them, they switch tactics. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Let me pause real quick. Oh my gosh, can't say women. It didn't say women are weak. It said men are stronger. This is talking about a physical strength. This is talking about your husband can bench press more than you. Basically, it's what it's saying. There's always that one couple that the woman's like, I can bench press more than my husband. Well, we're glad you're here, Helga. We hope you enjoy the service. But most men can out bench press their wives. Just throwing that out there. Since they are heirs with you in the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, this is what God's saying. Work hard to understand your wife. Honor her. And if you don't, don't talk to me. It's tough, isn't it? We'll just move on to the next one. It got tense. Sand equals taking. Rock equals giving. <laughs> so... Shannon's here. She can, she can attest to this. Shannon gets breakfast in bed just about every morning. Do you not? Yes. She does. And I don't know how it started. <laughs> I can tell you what's going to happen in the morning, though. I'm going to get up somewhere between 4.30 and 5. I go upstairs. I read my Bible. I start work. I go downstairs about 6.30 to wake her up. When I go downstairs to wake her up, I wake her up, and it takes her a minute, and it's cute. And she's like, mm, I say, okay. And then I ask her this question. What would you like? And she says, I want a Gatorade, and I want two popsicles, 
and I want some of those breakfast cookies. She's got these little breakfast cookies, and she, one time she said chips and salsa. I was like, chips and freaking salsa. Like, and, and, and you know what I do? I go get it for her. One of these days, I, I, I got the feeling that pretty soon I'm gonna have like the little serving cart. I mean, you're gonna walking around, hey, baby, what can I get you? Like this. And so one morning, I'm, one morning I'm mad. I mean, one morning I was like, can I get you something? I was kind of hoping she wouldn't want anything. She's like, I want some popsicles. So I'm in there. I'm kind of ill and talking to God about stupid popsicles, getting popsicles. And God said, <laughs> that's how God speaks to me. God was like, shut up. And, and I paused in the kitchen, and this verse hit me. This verse hit me. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. I thought, how did Jesus love the church? Well, he served the church. But God was like, shut up and take her the popsicles. Yes, sir. So now I do it with a smile on my face. I do. And, and, and listen, like if I'm sitting on the couch and I need a, you need a water? She'll, like, she'll do that. But, but let me tell you, I'm not always a saint in this area. Just a few weeks ago, it's a true story. We left here. And on Sunday nights, I crave horrible food. I'm craving bad food right now because I don't eat on Sunday. I, I just drink protein shakes because my, my stomach gets all messed up. You don't need to know anything else about that. But I get, I get, because I get nervous. But when I leave, and so just a few weeks ago, I was craving some Zaxby's because when I, I mean, fried chicken, y'all, fried chicken and Zaxby's, the big thing with the double Zax sauce and you dip the fries in, and then the bread. Oh my gosh, that bread. It's amazing. So we're in the car and we're driving home and I'm going to do DoorDash. And I said, baby, I'm going to order from Zaxby's. Would you like anything? She said, I'm not hungry. I said, are you sure? She said, baby, I promise you, I'm not hungry at all. I said, okay. I get the food, comes in from Zaxby's. As soon as I open it up, she goes, can I have some fries? <laughs> and I, I just looked at her and she went, Perry, it's a couple of French fries. I said, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And it was a couple of French fries, but before I knew it, she picked up that bread and bit. it was like slow motion because I was like, no. I was a little selfish. I was. I, I, got, I got selfish. I got selfish because at the end of the day, it's just bread. Really awesome bread. But, but when, it, when it, like when you're dating, Ask yourself this question. When I get home from being with this person, am I drained or am I filled or is my cup filled? Because if they drain you when they're like, this is crazy. They, they drain you when you're dating, when you get married. Whew. This is what when couples get married, like we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. But when we get married, it'll get better. Oh yeah. Let me know how that goes. You'll be the first couple in history. This is a great, this is a great question. Um, and I've been challenging couples to ask this question all day. A great question to ask your spouse would be this. What do I do that adds value to you? Like, what do I do for you that when I do this thing, you feel valued, you feel special, you feel important? It, and it could be something small. It could be something tiny. It, 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 it could be crazy. But it'll blow your mind what what your spouse will, like what your spouse, like some of you are going to be surprised at this. Some of you want to ask, ask the question because you're scared. 
but you shouldn't be scared. It's, it's all good, I promise. Here we go. Number, the next one is if you build on the sand, it's all about blame. If you build on the rock, it's all about ownership. Now, every married couple that I know has two main arguments, running arguments in your house at just about all times. The first one is the thermostat. Couples argue about the thermostat. Some of you don't argue, you just keep changing it. That's why your air conditioner breaks once a year. Yeah. See, I like it cold. At night, it's gotta be 65 with a fan. Polar bears, penguins, and Perry. That's, that's who, and Shannon, and Shannon, Shannon doesn't love it that cold. She likes it to be a little bit warmer. So the other morning I woke up and I was sweating. I was covered in sweat. I was just nasty. I was like, oh my dear God, I got the COVID again. Well, I had to go get the Fauci ouchie and see. I mean, that thing didn't work last time. So I just make fun of Dr. Fauci just in case you're wondering. So I got, I got the COVID and I I'm, I'm, I'm thought I was getting sick and I'm going in to try to get this thing, take my temperature. I looked and, and it was on 70. So I made things right. I walked back in that bedroom. I was like, hey, baby. <laughs> you know, I'm walking, ain't I? I didn't get mad. I just, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. Turn it down. I was like, that's okay. So I locked it. Um, but the, 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 and the second one, the second one is the trash. Cause you've gotten mad at your spouse for not taking out the trash, but then you got into the trash can and it was full. You looked around and pushed it down. Some of you took your foot. This is what's awesome about teenagers. You can be like, Hey, take this trash out. That was my job when I was a teenager. But when it comes to problems in the relationship. I, I heard somebody say this one time, and it's so not true. All the problems are 50-50. Nope. There's a problem, there's an instigator, and there's a responder. There's an, there's an instigator, and there's a responder. And typically, you, when it comes to solving conflict in the relationship, you've got to own your part in the conflict. Because this is when you talk about your spouse, this is when you talk to your spouse. Talking about your spouse, you know like prayer request. Pray for Jim, he's an awful husband. Bless his heart. <laughs> so I've shared this before, but I wanna share it again because it works, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the problem it, and, and somebody told me, it's not always 80-20. I, I know, you can take any number, 70-30, 60-40, 51-49, no, not that close, okay? Just let's stay 60-40, okay? 71-29, we can do the math. But let's say that there's a problem between you and your spouse, and this is your portion of the problem. That's what you've got to own and apologize for. If this, see, because I've seen it happen this way more than once, and it always goes bad. When this person realizes what they've done, and they say they're sorry, and they want to make things right, and this person has not owned their portion, what they will wind up doing is telling this person, oh, yeah, you did that, but you also did this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it comes from 
it's not correction, it's condemnation that comes from a place of self-righteousness that wants to tear somebody down rather than build them up. I'm just saying, when, when you have a problem, you got to own, you know, I didn't start the fight. Well, we're adults, supposedly. Let's figure out how to land the plane. This, this right here, I'm telling you, that right there could save relationships if you will own. It's all his fault. No. See, if you're yelling, it's all his fault. The fact that you're yelling about it, that's, that's 10% you right there. It is. Don't be yelling at each other. Oh, let's get to the next one. Speaking of yelling. Sand is led by emotion. Rock is led by the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody's emotional. We just get emotional in different ways. Some people take the volume up. Some people shut it down. I'm a shut it down person. And that's just as dangerous. Let me tell you why that's dangerous. Because if you shut it down and sit on it, you'll turn bitter. And bitterness rots you from the inside out. And I've never met a bitter person that represented Jesus well. Ever. On the other hand, the volume thing, like that can escalate. So Shannon and I, our first big argument, I told her I was gonna share this story. First big argument. I forgot what we were arguing about. Probably my fault. I just remember her volume went up, so did mine. And her volume increased, and so did, I'd never done this. But I was angry, and she was angry, and she was getting more angry. And we came to the part in the argument where she finally said, I'm just gonna sit here and keep my mouth shut and not say another word. That was the place where I should have just let it go. The Holy Spirit was like, that just, just leave that one alone, buddy. But no. See, I speak for a living. I know how to use words. I know how to cut and hurt people if I need to. So what came out of my mouth was that would be a freaking miracle. That's, that would not recommend that one at all because she looked at me and we're close to her house. She said, let me out of this truck. I was like, I am not letting you out of the truck, but I thought we're pretty close to her house. I mean, I, just, I don't know, but I didn't let her out of the truck. Now we resolved that argument. We worked through it. But when the Holy Spirit was leaning in on me to keep my mouth shut, I chose to be led by emotion rather than the Holy Spirit, and that just led to more conflict. Now, some people go, I'm just emotional. No, 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 you're out of control. I just, I just, I, every time I get upset, I cry. That's called manipulation. Oh, I didn't say that this morning. It just got real, didn't it? No, it sometimes, I, I'm just saying, Sometimes people can manipulate people when they cry. Sometimes it's legit, and sometimes it's manipulation. How do you know? Holy Spirit. We'll, we will weep because we're grieved, or we will cry to get them to do what we want them to do. Oh, my God. This is, y'all feel it? Y'all feel the tension? Oh, my gosh, I love it. We're led by emotion. I will say this, and it got, it got tense this morning, but I won't say it again tonight. We're led by emotion. This is when 
verbal abuse happens. And let me go ahead and tell you, when I preach on divorce, I'm gonna talk about what verbal, bu verbal abuse is and verbal abuse is not. Because some people are being verbally abused and you don't know it. And some people aren't being verbally abused and you say that you are. So we're gonna talk about that. I will say this though, before I move on. This is also where it gets physical. And dude, you shouldn't put your hands on a woman. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down while I say this, so, so I'm, I'm just gonna tell y'all, I'm, I'm calm. There, there's, there's, it happens. It happens. I'm not talking about something crazy, I'm talking about it happens. Maybe with some people in this room, mm. Maybe it's happened infrequently. I'll say two things. Number one, to the woman, you don't have to take that. Number two, to the dude, you need to stop. You need to stop. Are we telling me how to run my, I'm not telling, I'm just telling you, that's God's daughter. And I know what I do to you if you hit my daughter. In fact, in fact, let me go ahead and throw this out there. Next time you feel like hitting somebody, give me a call. You won't hit me. You won't hit me because you're a coward. And if you can take me, I got a line of guys behind me. This is what we call church discipline. <laughs> I feel the tension in the room. There's somebody in this room tonight. That's what's happening. And right now, I'm making you mad. I'll hang out in the lobby for a few minutes. Come by and see me. Pastor P, that's not very spirit-led. Well, I don't know. Samson, led by the spirit, tore a lion in half. He also picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed 300 men. I'm just saying. The Holy Spirit, well, I, I think God would lead somebody through the Holy Spirit to defend, to defend a woman that's being abused. Amen. Never heard of a pastor challenge people from the stage before. <laughs> Welcome to Second Chance. <laughs> I'm just telling you that a marriage led by the Holy Spirit is so much better. Because um, every marriage is going to argue. But let me tell you what happens to Shannon and I every time we go to bed sort of mad at each other. I, I used to think you could go to bed not mad, but two human beings. Every morning I wake up, if I'm still angry, I start arguing with her in my mind. And I win every time. But let me tell you what happens. This has happened every time, and she can tell you. I'll go upstairs, and I get my Bible, and I start reading it, and every time the Holy Spirit's like, you need to go apologize. I'm the 20. She's the 80. Yeah, you know how you teach? You gotta own your part. Hypocrite. It's time to go live that out. I'm telling you, when I get alone with God, and the, he, he, he won't leave me alone. I could tell her I'm sorry. Isn't that what happens? But every time I come in the morning, I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. Can I get you some popsicles? And so I mean, I like we we do the whole thing, right? Because this is this is why. This is why. 
And this is why I would tell you, because um, people are like, well, the whole Holy Spirit thing freaks me out because I want to be like, come on, leave it to come on, leave it We're not talking about cars or anything like that. When the Holy Spirit takes control of our life, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11. He said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What could happen if we just said, Jesus, more of your Holy Spirit, more of you in me, more of your life in me. Change my thoughts, change my ways, change my attitudes, change my heart. Instead of change my spouse, what about this? Change my heart towards my spouse. That right there, now that's powerful. When the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to fill it, well, Pastor Pete, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in? Is, is it weird? No, let me show you what happens. When we pray to receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And over time, he fills us just like a gas tank. We, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit begins to take over, this, these are the marks of somebody who is filled with the Spirit. I didn't come up with this. The Apostle Paul said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And just random question. How much better would this world be if we had people filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? That, that can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. What happens if more people become like this? I think the community becomes a better place to live, and I think the world becomes better. I do want to point one thing out that I didn't point out this morning. Notice that Paul did not say, this is like a little theological thing. Paul did not say, but the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruits. He said fruit. Then he listed nine characteristics. Well, this is a package deal. You can't look and say, God, give me some love. I'm, I enjoy, I'm good on the peace. Give me some patience. I'm kind of kind. Give me, that's, this is not like a, a selection thing. All these things are true for somebody who is filled with the Spirit. I don't know about you, but God's got a lot of work to do in me. And the reason I know this works is because what we ended the message with last week, Romans 8, verse 11 where Paul wrote, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. In other words, the Holy Spirit in our lives, consuming our thoughts, consuming our minds, consuming our behavior, literally, that is the type of person I want to be. That's the type of person I want us as individuals to be because if we're that way as individuals, then our marriages thrive, our relationship with our children thrive, and our church thrives. Not because we have this great building, but because we have individuals completely sold out to surrendered, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. What would that look like for you? What would it look like if you just said, Jesus, more of you? less of me. Let's give it a shot. Y'all stand with me. Father, I want to pray right now and ask you that you would move in this room over the next few moments.
with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just need to say, Jesus, tonight, right now, more of you, less of me. I want to build my life on something solid, a solid rock. I want to build my life on the cornerstone, Jesus. I want to build my life on you because things built on you will last, Jesus. More of your Holy Spirit, less of me. Jesus, that's my prayer tonight, that you would be Lord of all. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, maybe you just need to pray, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Do a fresh work in me. And if you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ, here's the good news. Jesus will come into your life and save you right where you stand. You just gotta, you just gotta ask him. If you, if you know you need Christ tonight, I'm about to lead you in a prayer. And, and you just repeat after me. Here's the deal. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. Out loud. But not alone, because everybody in this room, our whole Second Chance family, we're going to pray this prayer with you. And if you're here tonight, you know you need to give your life to Christ. You want that power. You want the ability to walk. He will give it to you tonight. You just pray with me right now, right where you're standing. Just say, just say it out loud. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer tonight, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, you just sealed the deal. Do me a favor. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. I want you to put your hand straight up in the air right now and just leave it up. Put your hand up real high so we can leave it up. Father, I want to thank you so much today. All, all day long, God, you have saved people. All day long, you have changed lives. All day long, you have drawn us closer to you. Father, I pray that as we walk out of this place tonight, we would walk out knowing God, that you love us, that your ways and your thoughts are higher, your plans are greater, that we would know that in you there's nothing we can't overcome. I pray for the couples that are struggling, God, that they would find your strength, and for the couples that are great, God, that they would be able to celebrate your grace on their lives. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you for all that you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. We declare you are Lord. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? And me too. I hope y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back next Sunday.